All right, lads, welcome back to me podcast, Cheaper Than Therapy. Uh, Mick Thomas here. Thanks so much for tuning in, listening, and giving me your support. Well, Thanksgiving is over. I hope you all had an amazing Thanksgiving to my American brethren. Or again, as we say in Ireland, the third Thursday in November. Hope you're all feeling fat, fat and full and, and, and uh, you know, just blech, right? Just sick of food, just overflowing with food. You, the gym is just the, your best friend right now, right? It's the only way that's going to get rid of that guilt. It's the only way you're going to worry away those pounds now because you got your shopping to do. Right, your Black Friday shopping—that's another thing too. They do that in, in Ireland and England now. I don't know why. Why do you do that? Why do you follow suit, Ireland and England? It's bullshit. The, the, the whole purpose of it was the day after Thanksgiving, for when they go called Black Friday. It's when people, the stores, go back into black again. That's where it came from. Why are you doing it? Be original. Be yourselves. Don't copy other people said the guy who has a podcast like every other fucking comedian out there. Anyway, I had a great week at the Borgata, just letting you know what's going on with me. I had I spent my Thanksgiving at the Borgata Hotel in Atlantic City. Had a blast. Had a blast. Seven phenomenal shows. Each show was better than the last. Great, great crowds every single night. Um... Yeah, I had a, I had a time in my life down there. I got you know got a lot of work done. I got uh you know went to the movies. Went out to the movies and I had some friends come. You know what I did for the first time? I gambled. I had two friends come down with me. Uh, my buddy Kenny, who's a comic, and another comic, uh, Scott Long, who you'll probably know from HBO show, um, the what's that depressing one I can't watch. <laughs> uh the the what's the porn one jesus christ i'll think of it before the show's over you know the one with uh what's his name oh my god i'm terrible franco james franco what's that one called the deuce the deuce that one so my two buddies came down and then uh you know who i made friends with down here uh in the years i've been coming down with is the the manager of the food court <laughs> Uh, his name is Steve, and he's fucking awesome, man. He's a, he's a fun guy to hang out with. And uh, so after one of my shows, he uh, he came out with me and Scott and Kenny, and we kind of hung out. And I did something which I didn't, I've never done, and I've gam- I gambled. I never gambled before, and it was the most fun, right? We were playing not blackjack, not roulette, not poker. You know what game we played? War. War. I called my son the next day, nine years old, to talk to him about it. And I go, son, let me explain to you what war is. He goes, yeah, dad, I know what war is. <laughs> so my nine-year-old was able to tell me about war that I never knew not, nothing about. I guess it was a game we never really played in, uh, in Ireland. At least growing up, maybe it's popular now, I don't know. But uh, yeah, that's what, that's, you know, we, we had some fun. And... Uh, yeah, it's just funny how we were we were playing. We were all at the one table and we were just laughing and high fiving and we were high fiving the dealer. And 
you know, it was fun. And then Scott was kind of done. He moved away and then some guy took his place and he was very serious. And then another guy got up and then, you know, then all the serious players sat down and then the fun was gone, right? Then the fun was gone. So then I got up and I, I looked over and one of the guys were playing like a Wheel of Fortune thing. And he goes, eh, let me put some money on, on this on a five to one bet. And I won. I've, I don't, it's, look at, it's, I was like, I get how people get addicted to gambling, man, because we, I mean, we were fucking having a blast, right? We were having a blast, but uh, I don't understand how they do it. Like, I don't like the highs and the lows and all that kind of stuff. Like, but we were just, I was chasing the fun and the laughter of it. But when you're sitting there on your, by yourself, which so many guys do, just watching, watching the cards like a shark, there's no fun in that. I don't, I just don't get how gambling can become uh addictive but however man it's not my world so i'm not going to downplay it and assume like it doesn't like it doesn't exist uh but then we went so thanksgiving we spent we went to a buffet which we waited online for nearly two hours uh because we're like yeah you know fuck it why not let's do it let's let's just get online so we're on, we're at the buffet and, and two hours of waiting. We got in and like, oh my god! The, here's the thing about buffets, man. It's like, look at just because they're all you can eat, doesn't mean you should eat all you can, right? It's just and you. Here's the thing. The funny thing about a buffet line is that you will never. First of all, you don't eat with your friends. You get up and go get your food. You come back down and he's not back yet. So you just start eating. And then the other guy comes as you're getting back up again. And you're just eating in shifts. And there's never three people sitting at the table at the same time. It was the weirdest fucking thing. And then here's what I noticed about a buffet too. Like you will put shit on your plate that, that have no business being together. Like you will put pizza and sushi and then a blob of, of ice cream on the same plate just because you don't want to walk back up again. Fucking disgust, and then you you just like you 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 serve it up to yourself. Like, do you ever see a prison movie when they're just sliding their tray along, and then someone just going splat splat? That's what it's like. That's what it's like. Or then you do the buffet mat. Do you ever do that? Like the buffet mat, where you where where like there's two like all right, there's two guys in front of me, right? And there's like there's like only one piece of salmon left, but like. Look at that guy. Look at how fucking fat that guy is. There's no way he's going to eat healthy salmon. That guy's going to go right for the fucking... He's like, oh, fuck, he got it. He got it. Now I got to go back to the back of the line and wait for him to serve up some more fucking salmon. That's what buffet mat is like. It's not fun. It's not... You don't enjoy it. But uh, but we, we did. We did. We, we, we had a blast there, man. And then we went down to the boardwalk and we took a, we took a nice stroll to walk off, right? Just... Just three lads, just three lads walking off our gluttonous meal together. So it was fun. I, I, I don't know how your, your Thanksgiving was. And, and, and you know, here's the thing we saw on the boardwalk too. Right? It's, I don't know if, you, if you've ever been to Atlantic City, uh, my American friends, or if you've traveled over here. It's full of animals, like full of like loads of rodents. right? And underneath the boardwalk, there's like thousands of cats living there. Yeah, Google it, the cats of Atlantic City. So there's cats everywhere. Um, but I saw, I had this weird thought, right? I saw these two squirrels and they were like playing with each other, right? They were kind of just 
playing, like running around, jumping on each other and like running in perfect circles. And there was this girl there, right? And this little tiny girl. And she was trying to, she was trying to feed him, trying to feed him bread. And then I was just thinking to myself, like, we know nothing about animals, right? Our only knowledge on animals is what fucking Disney has shown us. That's it. Like, we just think animals are our friends. They can talk to us. But like, and I was just thinking, like, what, what if that squirrel is trying to sexually harass that other squirrel and we're just fucking watching it? Going, ah, it's adorable. Look at the squirrels. They're adorable. Trying to just, right? And then, and then that girl is feeding the other one bread so he's all carved up. So he's got more energy to fucking, you know, he's got extra rape strength. <laughs> oh, shit. But, uh, yeah, and that was, you know, and that was, uh, that was my Thanksgiving in a nutshell, right? That was it kind of all, uh, all summed up. And then, uh, then the Black Friday came, which I, which I don't do. I don't do that. I don't, I don't queue online to, to get fucking $10 off a TV that's already $20, right? TVs are for nothing now. Why are you, why are you stampeding and killing yourselves? Stop it. But I, I had to go out, right? I, ha- I had to go out and, and, and get some things. And uh, man, was I just, was I just annoyed everywhere I went with the fuck. Not, and it's not necessarily like the people. Now, now it's the businesses I go to that start to annoy me. It used to be the people that I run into. I mean, they're still not going to annoy me too, right? But now it's the, like, it's just the service, the stores, Right, like I, I had to go to Chase Bank. Right, I had to go to the bank, I had to deposit a check. The comedy club paid me, so I walk in, and I don't see, I don't see a teller. Right, I don't have an ATM card with me. I just didn't have one. I left it at home, which is fine, because I figured I have my ID of all that stuff. I can walk into the bank and just make a deposit. I walk in, it's like four desks and a station where you can charge your cell phone. That was it. And I walk in, and a girl comes out and she goes, "Hi, can I help you?" And I go, yeah, I want to deposit a check. And I don't have my, my, my debit card. And she goes, yeah, we don't do that here. I go, what do you mean? You're, you're Chase Bank, though. She goes, yeah, but we don't, we don't take deposits here anymore. You can use the machine over there. And I go, yeah, but I don't have my debit card. She goes, yeah, well, then. So, so you're telling me I came into a bank to deposit a check into my bank account, and then you're telling me I can't do it. And she was like, yes. I goes, well, you, you realize you're not a bank, right? She goes, what do you mean? Goes, you're not a bank because that's what banks are. That's what banks do. You're not a bank. So stop calling yourself a bank. You're now, all you are is a big fucking mobile phone charger. That's what you are. You're the biggest cell phone charger ever. That's it. Where's my cell phone charger? The massive building over there. That's, that's your cell. That, that's what you are now. You're, you're not a bank. And I was annoyed. I was really annoyed. And as I'm walking out, there's this like older couple coming in. And I go, hey, guys, if you're looking for a bank, uh, you're in the wrong place because this is not a bank. This is not a bank, right? That was the asshole in me. And, and the old woman goes, yeah, I know. I know it's changed. The fuck? How do you? I remember, remember going to banks, right? And you walk in and you, uh, yeah, look, I'm all for technology. I'm all for moving forward. And trust me, I've taken my cell phone out and I've deposited a check before and I've done all that stuff, right? But I need cash back from the check. So I know how to do that, like, and I, I'm all about convenience. But do you remember like going to a bank and you would fill in your deposit ticket, your withdrawal ticket, and then, and then if, 
if you're a guy, maybe it happens to a girl too, you get online and, uh, and you do teller math. Remember teller math? It's not like, buff, it's kind of like buffet math, right? So you're sitting there like, and it's like one attractive girl. There's always one attractive teller and the rest is either a guy, an ancient woman, right? Or someone else that's just not like, just, but the, you, so you're sitting there like, all right, well, well here's what's going to happen. This one's going to just, I see what's in his hand. He's just depositing a check and he's going to go to that one and the other person's going to go over there and then I'll end up talking to the, to the attractive teller, right? So you're doing that game in your head and then all of a sudden, as you, as, you, as you think you're next and then the person walks away and then they go back real quick like, oh, I forgot to ask you, what are your hours for fucking fucking fuck? And you go, shit! And now you're stuck talking to the little old Indian woman who's very polite, but, you know, you lose. It's a game. Like, it's a game and you lose. You lose. I lost teller math. Right? And then I go, then I go to, uh, where do I go then? I go to a H&M. Right? I had to go to a H&M because I, I needed a belt. It was a place, it was closest by. My, my, my pants were getting a little bit loose. And uh, I said, you know, I need, need a new belt here. Need a new belt. Old Mick Thomas is losing weight. Right, losing a bit of pudge, so I uh, so I go to H and M and I, it's empty, right? It's empty. You would think the holidays would be packed, but this is empty. So I go and I find a belt and I go get online and there's a one woman in front of me. So then she goes up and she's being helped. And the girl says to her, she's checked beep, you know, boop. Here's your stuff, boop. Leggings, beep. Sunglasses, boop. Scarf, whatever it is. And then she goes, uh, "Did you find everything you need today?" She goes, "No, no, I was." Looking for this hat, but it was in gray, and you guys, you know, you, you, I was looking for a hat, a gray hat that I saw, and you guys, you, you don't have it. And the girl goes, no, no, we do. It's over at the such and such a thing. And then this fucking woman just walks away in the middle of the transaction. I'm like, no, pay for your shit, go over and get it, and come back in and get online again and do another fucking transaction. Now, i got to stand there looking at this woman who's not going to fucking help me just because you think, who does that? Who's so fucking rude you can just pack your shit up and just fucking go, like, no, you don't even pack your shit up, you just, you go to the teller, right, what happens, you go to the teller, and you just fucking, you run off, you're leaving her, she can't finish your transaction, because you're not there to pay for it, now I'm looking at her, no one else is helping, it's fu- I hate that shit man, you know what else you see too, Subway, right, we all know I like Subway, right, you've heard my stories about it, do you ever see someone go into Subway and have a list, they have a list of like, maybe six sandwiches, what they want, Johnny will have and Mary wants and, 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 and right and then what happens is every fucking subway employee comes out and they all start helping her to make the sandwiches while the rest of us are online no one customer one employee that's how it works if it takes you fucking 10 minutes to make a sandwich then fucking so be it you that's what you get for going in with a list one person helps her the rest the next person comes to me the next person goes to the person on the way down and that's how we move it along Subway is like a fucking conveyor belt that you just move it. Bread station first, meat station second, fruit and veg next, fucking drinks and soda, cookie, chips, whatever, last stage, out the door. That's how you run a fucking Subway. Walk in some fucking asshole who's getting six sandwiches. Hey, I wonder if she actually getting six sandwiches and she's making up names because really they're all for her. And then Karen will have, there's no Karen. You just wanted all the sandwiches and you're just embarrassed to say it, you fat fuck. Oh shit! So, uh, so then I go, I go, uh, 
I go to Walmart. Yeah, that place, right? Fucking Walmart. Another thing, when you, when you go to Walmart, right, which is, which is fine. Like, Walmart, I'm not going to say I'm too good for Walmart because I like it. I buy all my workout stuff there. I buy all my workout stuff there. And uh, you go in, you, you eventually see. Yeah, I just bought a TV from there, right? A 110-inch TV for $12. <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm looking at stuff, right? Looking at my son wants a PlayStation, so I'll look at the price of a PlayStation. I'm there. It's got everything, right? But I buy all my workout stuff there. Six dollars for a pair of fucking workout pants. What do I give a shit what I look like at the gym? I'm not, I'm not there for a fashion show. Right? I'm not there for any of that shit. So I get, I go, I get like, what did I get there when I was there? I can't remember now. I, oh yeah, I bought stuff um, for another upcoming trip, right? I, I stock up on my, all my toiletries, my Z-Quil. I, I take Z-Quil before I go to sleep. Doing all this stuff. So I get there, I wait, the fucking line is out the door, right? So I'm standing, that's fine. I wait online and I go to the self-checkout because I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't mind. I listen to headphones. I listen to podcasts like this one. I listen to my own podcast. That's an egomaniac. But uh, (laughs) you can, you can listen to this podcast while you're online. So I'm online and the line is moving along. I'm fucking, people don't know how to use a self-checkout. And you got to pay for plastic bags now if you live in New York. Right? How many plastic bags do you want? They're like, yeah, I don't need them. I don't need them. I'll, I'll just. Isn't it funny that when they started charging for plastic bags, and this is kind of for my New York people, that you realized, like, for five cents, like, no, fuck it, I'll carry everything. And you will walk out, right? And you will walk out just fucking, like, just with your leaning back, carrying everything just because you don't want to spend the five cents on a bag. <laughs> Mitch Heberg used to do a great joke. Uh, rest his soul. I mean, Hedberg would do. I'm not going to do impression. He had a very distinct voice. Uh, I can do the impression when I'm kind of in the mood, but I'm not going to do it. But he would do a joke about like saying like, uh, when I went to a supermarket and I bought some oranges, uh, the woman said to me, "Do you want a bag?" I said, "No, thank you. I will learn to juggle." <laughs> Check out him, man, Mitch Hedberg. Fucking hysterical. But anyway, so I'm online. I finally get up and. Uh, and I pay for my shit. I pay for all my shit, right? So <laughs> I, I get it and it's fine. And then I'm walking the door and I notice there's another line. I'm like, why, why is there another line here? Like, why, what are we doing? Why, why is there another line here, people? Like, we just paid for it. So then it turns out there's a woman there and she's like, she's checking people's receipts when you walk out. I'm like, nope. So I got off in the back of the line and I walked around. She goes, sir, sir. Sir, and I go, yeah. She goes, I need to check your seat. I went, no, you don't. And I just kept walking. She goes, sir, I need to check your ID. He goes, you're, 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 uh, I need to check your seat. I'm like, no, you don't. So then she put her hand up, and then security guard came over from fucking behind the customer service area. And he goes, sir, we need to check your seat. I go, no, you fucking don't. No, you don't. I just waited online for fucking twenty minutes, right, to pay for my shit. I'm not gonna get on another line for you to check my receipt just in the off chance I may have stolen something. No, fuck that shit. I'm not doing it. Sorry about the language. I'm getting very heated. I apologize. I'm not doing it. I'm not getting on two lines just for you to check my ID because I may or may not have stolen something. That's why you got your cameras for. That's why you got your security guards. That's why you got your invisible secret shoppers. I'm not fucking doing it. It's absolute bullshit. Sick of it. Fucking 
So I, I refuse to give them the receipt. And you know what? They know you don't have to do that, guys. They, you, don't, you don't have to. You don't have to show the receipt unless you're carrying something out underneath the, the thing, I guess, maybe. But you don't have to. The, the onus is on them to prove that you stole it, not the other area. You don't have to prove that you didn't steal it. Right? You just take your shit, guys. Don't put up with that and just walk out. Walk out. I know I'm kind of not feeling the holiday spirit, but I do. I love the I love the holidays. You know, I, I really got in the mood at the Borgata to start playing Christmas songs and and uh, started to put the decorations up, and it really got me got me going despite all this uh, this this anger I have towards the retail industry right now. You know, and there's another place where I felt it too. Like a few weeks ago, right, we had Veterans Day in America. Veterans Day, right? it's a day to honor the veterans, right? Go and honor the veterans. You know what I said, speaking of veterans, when I was online for the buffet, there was an old guy in front of me and he had, he had like a, a North Korea hat, like from the war he was in, like, you know, served a veteran, what, North Korea or Korean vet, fuck, no, it was Vietnam. He goes, Vietnam veteran hat. And I said to him, I go, I didn't know they sold merchandise at the Vietnam War. <laughs> he went, what? I was like, oh, fuck. I hate when someone doesn't get the joke. And, uh. He was like, what? Like, yeah, yeah, I thought the, you know, eh, that reminded me. Because like, <laughs> you see those old guys, right, from the Vietnam War, the Korean War, and they're heroes. They're all heroes. And they all have those hats and they wear them proudly. But that, isn't that it? Like, that's the wars you cut off, right? There's no Gulf War hat. There's no Iraq War hat. They, just wear, they wear hats. Like, I, I, just, I, I just thought it was funny, like a, a souvenir stand. <laughs> or World War at the beach of Normandy guys just running up hey get me a hat and a t-shirt medium medium <laughs> but veterans day right that that's veteran day sales everywhere you go in America veteran day sales shouldn't those fucking sales be for veterans veterans only right I was out of veterans day and I saw these just these fucking this big Fat fuck returning a couch to Costco. Because you know why he wanted to return it? Because he knew he could have got it cheaper on Veterans Day. So he brought it back and he wanted to rebuy it for cheaper. You think that's what, you think that's what like the brave men and women who are out serving in, the, in whatever country you're from, right, for Veterans Day, that's the type, that's how they want to be honored, right? Get up, man, you can do it, let's go. I don't know if I can make it anymore. Get up, we gotta fight. There's a fat fuck on Long Island that wants to return a couch. Alright, man. Alright, man. Right? Fucking disrespectful. Using that fucking holiday to sell shit. I'm proud to be an American. Fuck the flag. Honda are having discounts. We can go get a Honda Civic right now. Quickly, they're on sale for Veterans Day. Fucking assholes. But however, that's my rant for the week, guys. I uh, Sorry it was a lot of complaining. I apologize. Uh, next week, hopefully, I'll be back with a more upbeat one. Yeah, as we roll into the new holidays. We'll get all about Christmassy and Hanukkah and, all, and one of the other ones. Right? That's what we'll do for you for next week. So listen, guys, thanks so much for listening. Thanks for tuning in. If you have any questions or emails, I do have a few emails to get to on the podcast. Uh, I haven't forgot you guys. For those of you who are waiting for me to respond, I will get to you uh, in the next few episodes. But uh, thanks so much. If you do want to send me um, an email or a message, you can get me on Instagram 
uh, Mick Thomas comedy. Send your message right there and I'll absolutely respond to you. Thanks so much, guys, for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Uh, and have a, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. And uh, be good to each other. Take care out there, everybody. Good luck to you now. Good luck. It's the Mick Thomas show. All right, lads. Welcome back to me podcast, Cheaper Than Therapy. Mick Thomas here again. Thanks so much for tuning in. I appreciate it. Cheers for the support and uh, and all the love and the emails and the questions and everything. So I really, really do appreciate you. That rhymes, right? It's the holiday season. So here we are, December, right? We're chugging along. I am actually recording this episode in the parking lot of a comedy club, right? You thought Mick Thomas was all glamour and, and, and glitz. Nope. Here I am, here I am in the comedy club, Maguire's of Bohemia Long Island. I am recording this. Crazy, right? Technology. Yeah, I'm looking at a dumpster right now. That's how show business I am. That's how show business I am. That's how top of the comedy food chain McThomas is. Uh, how's all your holidays going so far, right? We're getting close, getting close to the deadline. Oh, Santa Claus is coming. Or if you're Jewish, he's not. <laughs> I tell you what, man, this fucking shopping is still getting to me. You know, I went today, I went to um, ShopRite, which is a supermarket on Long Island. And the one by my house, the one by my house is, uh, a f- it's, it's a fucking nightmare. And here's why, right? Here's why. Oh, by the way, I'm by an airport, so you may hear planes fly over too, right? So if you hear any planes, I apologize. But anyway, here's why it's a nightmare, right? Here in, in, on Long Island now, Suffolk County uh, specifically, what they do is that you, you have to buy your plastic bags now, which is fine. I know some places have got rid of it. I know Connecticut got rid of them. Uh, and I know back home in Ireland have got rid of plastic bags too, right? But I think you still have the option to buy them. So at the shop, right, it's, it's fucking five cents a bag, right? Now, I always do the self-checkout, right? If you know anything about Mick Thomas, he doesn't like talking to people. So I, I just go straight to the self-checkout. But now here's what happened, right? Here's what fucking annoys me. Here's what fucking annoys me. Is I go in every Sunday morning, I go in for my, to buy all the food, which I prepare for the week, to meal prep, right? Meal prep means you prepare your food for the week, whatnot. So I go in and... They, they don't put plastic bags up, right? They don't put them up. So it's not like you, you, you scan your stuff, you put it in a bag, and then it asks you, well, how many bags did you, did you use? And you go two, three, one, none, right? They go kind of by the honor system. But this one fucking dump of a shop, right? I, I got to look at all my stuff, and I got to ask for a bag, right? I got I to gotta fucking go, excuse me, can I get a bag? Like, I got to beg for a plastic bag. Right, I'm sorry I'm coming out hot, guys, but this is really pissing me off, right? So I got to come out hot now, right? Because I'm just fucking... And Jen, she goes, how many bags do you need? Like, now I got to look at my stuff again. And now I got to eyeball it. And I, now I got to figure out, like, all right, well, if I buy three, I could have one too much. And if I don't, if I don't buy enough, the arse is going to fall out of it. 
So now I, now I got what? I got to fucking make, I got to make the decision now. Put the bags where they belong, assholes. And let me just fucking scan my stuff, drop it in the bag. The bag gets full. Trust me, I, I won't rob your bags. Like who, what happened? What happened to you, ShopRite, that you feel you've learned your lesson now? Where they go, all right, from now on, no more bags. Like does somebody come in and take all the bags? Fuck's sake. Anyway, guys, I'm sorry to come out, out hot like that. Um, if you have any messages or emails you want to send to me, right, you can always send them to, to uh, Mick Thomas Comedy on my Instagram. Send me a message there, and uh, I will. That's where I'd get all my stuff from here, and and, I, and I'll chat away to you. So I do want to go over one I got today. Uh, not today. I got it a few weeks ago, but I didn't get a chance to respond. Now, normally, I told you guys I, I'll respond on the podcast uh, if I get them. But normally, like, I'll write back to you if it's something short. Like, it's a quick question. You know what I mean? Like, someone might ask a quick question. Hey, Mick, you know, how long have you lived in America? You've never said that before. Right? And I'll go, I don't know, I, 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 I guess 15 years. Right? So I'll just write back to that person. It's something I don't need to address on a podcast because I don't want to become that whole, going through a whole list of questions and answers. But I will. And sometimes people just write and they'll put a comment, something very nice. Show's fun. I like listening to it. Um... You know, sometimes people will write with broken English because they're from another country where, where English is their second language. And what am I going to do? Make fun of them? Go, ah, you can't even fucking write properly. Right? How many languages do I speak? What, am I going to give them a hard time because they don't fucking, they don't write it correctly, but I know what you're saying. So sometimes I don't, like, you don't really hear me read out a lot of letters on here and stuff because I do answer a lot of them personally because I don't really want to pour them onto the podcast. But I did get one about two weeks ago maybe three weeks ago, and I asked this gentleman if I could um, read the email on the podcast, because it kind of was a little, it was a little nice, but I got a little, uh, I got a little kind of worried about this guy, right, and uh, his name, let me read the email first, right, he he lives in Sweden, okay, which I'm assuming he's from Sweden, I hope, but uh so we had a little conversation first. I tried to answer as much as I could through uh, communicating through messages. So what I wanted to do was I asked him, I said, hey, man, do you want me to answer this? Because it's a bit wordy, right? And I don't, I don't really have time to sit down and type every single thing, right? I don't have time to answer everything, if, especially if it's a long one. Sorry, just drinking my water. So I said, look, hey, man, because it's a bit personal, uh, do you want me to review this on the podcast or do you want me to type it here? And he gave me his, permi- gave me his permission to, um, he gave me his permission to read it on the podcast. So it's a bit, you know, it's something I don't want to take lightly. So, uh, and you will forgive me. I, I, you know, Mick Thomas here, he can't read out loud. He can, but he sounds like a stuttering fucking idiot. So please bear with me. And another thing, I'm going to do a lot of pausing because uh, he's very generous He's very generous with his compliments, and uh, and I, I don't I'm 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 very uncomfortable around comments, compliments. Sorry, right? A lot of comedians are, believe it or not, a lot of good comedians are very uncomfortable when someone gives them a compliment. They don't, but whatever. We we'll go into that. So if you hear me pause, uh, I kind of feel like I should read everything because I don't want to sound disingenuous. I don't want to sound like I'm editing it, but I I think I'm going to leave out the nice things he said about me because I don't want it to come across like, hey, look at me, aren't I great? I've gotten fan mail. So I don't, so if you hear me stop, that means he's giving me a compliment about something that I just don't, 
as much as I appreciate it, uh, and I'm flattered and very uncomfortable accepting that type of praise. So if you hear me skip over it, um, and I'm, I apologize to this gentleman for not reading it out. Um, all right, so here he goes. Hello, Mick. Right, already from Sweden. Nailed it. Nailed the, nailed the first sentence. <laughs> Hello, Mick. How do you get into comedy? I am a young comedian and I want to get into doing shows and upping my joke game. Again, guys, let me pause right there. If I, he's, his English is perfect. He's worded all this perfect. So it's, if it sounds like he's got really bad broken English, I can't fucking read, right? So that's, let me get that out there. Let me get this straight. Hello, Mick. How do you get into comedy? I'm a young comedian and I want to get into doing shows and upping my joke game. I am at an all-time low in life and it's only getting worse. But there is nothing bad in my life. My life is perfect. I'm diagnosed with critical with clinical depression. My grades are great, but I can't. Uh, but I just can't do it. So I want to learn from. It gives me a compliment there. I'm gonna thank you. Uh, how do you do a show? Do you tell a story? Improvise or some else? How do I structure a joke? What's the big secret? Anything helps, even thing unrelated like how you talk to a crowd or how to treat uh, a bar owner. I hope you're having a great weekend, mate. I like to put that back. Uh, P.S. I've listened to the entire podcast library and it's great. Uh, P.S. I, I live in Sweden and then he wrote off his name. I don't want to give it his Instagram name. But he signed off with, uh, I'm going to go to the end of the conversation, Oscar. O- Oscar. I hope it's not just Oscar. I'm, I think maybe it's pronounced uh, Oscar. Um, <clears throat> all right, man. First of all, let me just go. Thanks again for writing to me, uh, Oscar. I really appreciate that. that. That really does mean a lot. And you're, you're very compliment, complimentary in this. And I, I did leave a lot of it out. Um, so forgive me if you're kind of insulted that I left out your compliments. But I do, I really do appreciate them. Um, so the first thing I want to really, really address it before I get into comedy is the fact that you were diagnosed with clinical depression. Okay. Um, for those of you who don't know what clinical depression is, right. And I do have a lot of experience with this, uh, as I don't use a, a victim, but I deal with the heavy depression myself. Um, I don't talk about it. I don't, I don't take anything for it. Um, it, it is tough. So the fact that you are clinically and you're diagnosed, which means you did seek help. So congratulations on doing that. You are a braver man than I. And anything to do with depression, man, please make sure you continue to get help and don't take advice from someone like me to do with depression. Okay? So that's the first thing I need to say up front. I am not any expert whatsoever. I have no training. I've read a bunch of books on it. So basically all I would be doing is regurgitating other people's advice. And I'm not, I can't give you any advice on depression. But what I will say is congratulations if you went and you got help for that. And I hope you have, you surrounded yourself with, with loving people. Um, people you can turn to. Right? And... uh you know, and people who can support you. And, and I, I like the fact that you've acknowledged that your life is perfect, meaning, meaning that your, your uh, depression isn't, 
it's not um, situational, right? Like my dog died a few weeks. I didn't, you know, I don't, that's a, a reason to go aspire into depression. I'm sad my dog died or whatever. That's, that's considered, for those who don't understand depression, that's considered situational depression. Clinical means it's all, it's a chemical imbalance uh, within yourself, it's your body, right? So your levels are all off. Um, so, but I, I do commend you on receiving help for that buddy and just keep, uh, don't let that go, right? Don't, don't lose that. So the fact that you're doing that is speaks volumes of your maturity. Um, so good for you. Um, so let's just bypass that. Let's go into the comedy aspect of it. So uh, and the reason why I wanted to do this email too, because read this response too, because number one, um, I do want to respond to everybody. I really do. If you, if anybody listener listening out there who has sent me a message, uh, if I haven't addressed it on the podcast, you know I've I've sent you back uh, either a thank you or a, oh I'm sorry you didn't like that or whatever it is because I, I I genuinely do want to uh, try to give everybody the feedback. So this is also for anybody else out there who is wondering about comedy. Maybe you want to get into it yourself. Maybe something you've always wanted to try, um, or maybe you're just generally curious how how, how did I get into it. So let's talk about it. So you said, I'm a young comedian. I want to get into doing shows and upping my joke game. So you're a young comedian, right? So right now you're a young comedian. What I mean by young comedian, my definition of that, guys, it's not, um, it wouldn't be your age. I'm 17. I'm a young comedian. To me is you could be 50 years old and be a young comedian. To me, a young comedian is, and a lot of comics feel the same way, is how long you're doing comedy, right? Um... So what I would suggest is where you are right now, man, is, is here's what I would say, first of all, is just have a blast. Enjoy yourself right now. You are at the most enjoyable part. Because com- you, you go, you're going right now from enjoyment, right? So you want to turn, you're having fun, right? And it's exciting. And you want to eventually get to a level where it's rewarding. It could also, it might be rewarding for you now. That's great if it is. But you might want to get to the stage where it's rewarding. And that's where it is for me now. But I remember when I started comedy, right? There's different ways to start comedy. So um, Oscar hasn't really given me much of a description of where he does it or how he does it. But when I started comedy, I always wanted to do comedy. But there was no real place to do it in Ireland uh, where I lived in Wexford. You know, there was no clubs. There was no open mics. No coffee shops were doing it. No bars were doing it. No, no nightclubs were doing comedy. So I had literally no place to do comedy, but I studied it, right? I studied Billy Connolly for years and years and years and years since I was a child. It was Billy Connolly. Uh, then from there, I was given a tape of Eddie Murphy's Delirious and that fucking blew my mind, right? Eddie Murphy was the first real American comedian. And then I went from there to Robin Williams and, you know, and then I became, I became hooked on stand-up and, 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 and I watched it and, and, you know, I just became a student of, of stand-up right and i think that's what that's what we do we uh that's what comedians do they'll look at it like there's so many fans of comedy that come out to to shows and they laugh their ass off but then there's so many guys out there that do it a little bit different and they want to look at the mechanism the mechanics of what's working okay so um but where you are right now you so i started comedy when i came to america right when i moved to new york of course it's the mecca of stand up comedy i don't care what anyone says LA has got some amazing comedians out there. Just fucking murderers. 
murders out in LA, right? Tim Dillon moved out there. He's a New York-based guy. Uh, you know, Joe Rogan's out there. Dave Chappelle's out there. Um, I could sit all day. I really could and just name fucking like murderers living out there. Um, but you want to like stand up. The Mecca is New York, right? New York. So that's where I started a comedy. Now, I, I, I didn't know anybody. I didn't have any friends to hang out with. I didn't know anything about open mic scene. I knew nothing about that. So how I started stand up was I took a comedy class, right? Now, if there's a comedy class in your area and you see that, I think it's worth, it's worth taking a look at. Right, I know uh, Anthony Jeselnik. If you if you don't know who he is, look him up. Very offensive comic, but fuck me, is he a brilliant joke writer? Just an amazing joke writer. He took a class too. When you take a class, right, you come away with eight minutes. So you have eight minutes that are already polished. Right, so now you're out the gate and you've got eight minutes that you know should work. So you can kind of get booked on places, and then you want to turn the eight minutes to ten, ten minutes to fifteen. 15 to 20. When you're 20, you can MC. You might MC then for a, for a few years. Then after MC, and then you might, then you want to move up to feature, feature the headliner, and it takes a whole, it's a whole process. So right now where you are, if you're a young comedian, it's the fucking best time. Because there's a camaraderie with all your friends. Like my friends started doing open mics, right? And they bombed and they bombed, which I always think that, like if I didn't take the safety net, of a comedy class, and I went up to an open mic and bombed, I may have, I may, I probably would have quit. I probably wouldn't have done it. Like, all right, I got it out of my system. I'm not good at it. So the class kind of helped me an awful lot. The comedy class helped me an awful lot. Um, so like I said, it prepared me for uh, a real set. So I was quite, uh, quite happy with that, with taking the class. It was, it was a good idea. And a lot of times you'll find the comedy classes, usually, not every case, it's usually taken by uh, a really a really established comedian who knows the biz, the industry, the business. And it's very hard to find a good one, right? If you live on Long Island, you're listening to this. John Trusen teaches an amazing one at Governor's. So if you ever call up, right, ask for the class with John Trusen because the guy has been around comedy for years and years. Uh, he's he just know he knows the mechanics of comedy better than uh, almost anybody I know. Um. So that's a plug for, for Governors of Long Island if you want to take... Remember, John Trusen's class. Um, but yeah, so I took a class and then what happened is I had this eight minutes and, and I, I, I stayed out with... There was like 15 of us in the class and then that months go by and you're working on it. You're doing these fucking hell gigs. Bar shows, right? Which are the worst where you, you turn up to do a show. All these drunks are sitting there watching a hockey game and all of a sudden the barman just leans up, turns off the TV and they're like, what the fuck? Yeah, we're going to have some comedy now. And you got all these young comics going up there with fucking, hey, yeah, did you ever fart and fucking shit come out instead? Or whatever, whatever the jokes are. So, you know, but that's the most fun part of it, okay? Now, the reason why I say it's you, you want to turn that fun into rewardment, is rewardment a word? You can send me a comment and go make you a dumb piece of shit. I don't know if rewardment is a word. Rewarding is rewarding, right? Because what happens is uh, now where you where I'm at is like you go out, you try something, it's fuck, it bombs, right? And you go like, I like that it bombs. This is me personally. Good, that joke bombed. Good, it got nothing. It went flat as a fucking flat as the ocean, right? As the horizon, I should have said flat. So now what I can do is I go, I'll go back, I listen to that set, and I'll go, why was that? Why what went wrong with that joke? Because it is funny. I don't care what anyone says. In my head, it's funny. I have to convince them why it's funny, right? That's my job. 
So then I go back and I, I'll try it again. To, like tonight I'm waiting to go on and two of the jokes went flat last night. I reworded them and I'll go try it again. And I love that process. That's where it becomes rewarding because you're a professional now, right? You're a professional. You know how to, you know how to get into the trenches. You know how to, uh, you know how to, um, you know, reword jokes and get, and sometimes you just got to let them go. They're not, they're not ready to fly. Right? That's one of my jokes died last night on stage. I was like, you know what? I wasn't ready. Did you ever see a mama bird just uh, kick her babies out of the nest and they all fall? Right? You kick five of them out, maybe three survive. The other two, what happens? They land in a big pile of leaves. They're fine. They're going to be okay. The mother comes down, gives them some more worms, strengthens up the wings a bit. They're not ready right now, but in a week's time, maybe they'll be ready to fly. Right? That's what it's like. You got it. Don't be afraid to try and just write your arse off. Write, 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 write. Never stop writing. Write, because right now where you are, Oscar, right where you are right now, is your head is full of shit jokes. They might be funny, don't get me wrong, but they're shit jokes to where you're going to be in five years. You're going to look back on the five years, what the fuck was I thinking about? What was I fucking on? Right, so the more you write, the more you write that shit out of your head. It's like cleaning out of the basement. Right, if you have a basement that's full of shit, old coats, Stacks of newspapers, records you'll never listen again. What do you want to put down there? You want to put a couch, a bar, a TV. But you got to get rid of all that shit out of that fucking basement before you put that quality stuff in there. And that's going to be the same for your brain. Write that shit out. Write that fucking dumb, hacky joke that's so dumb that the audience sees it coming a mile away. Or they might even go, ugh, it's funny, but ugh. Write that shit out. Stock it up. All that's going to be left in is quality. That's kind of one advice. Just get up there, keep having fun, and try be friends with absolutely everybody, especially the bookers. So when you say a bar show, um, I would be friends with everybody. That's be professional, turn up on time. It's huge. Even if the booker is an asshole, turn up on time at least a half an hour before every show. That way, the person who booked you can relax. He's not building up this anxiety in his head. He's not going like, oh, where the fuck is McThomas? Where's McThomas? Who's on the show tonight? McThomas. Why isn't he here yet? The show starts in five minutes. And I come walking in a minute before the show starts. Already he doesn't like me. Now I got to win him back over. Get there a half an hour before every show. Unless you, you know the club really, really well. And they go, all right, that's, that, that's Mick. He's going to turn up two minutes for every show. He's good for it. But until then, turn up. Go there half an hour. Be nice to everybody. Be nice to the wait staff. I don't know if there's wait staff at the clubs you're working in. Be nice to them. They're, they're, they matter the most, believe it or not. The wait staff eventually end up fucking running the club. The wait staff, the amount of people who are wait staff in this business, in America at least, that you talk to them, like, holy shit. Sam Kinison was a doorman. Judd Apatow was a waiter at Governor's Comedy Club. And I could sit here all day and do like Richie Manavini, like all these guys were doormen, waiters, Right? I mean, there's some Long Island. They're all from Long Island, those guys. Well, not, not uh, Sam Kinison. He's from the South. But uh, be nice to everybody, right? Be everybody's friend. Don't talk shit about people behind their back. Fuck it. Let them. And don't worry about anybody else's act. Do not worry about anybody else's act. It's your act, mate. You write it yourself. Don't sit up there and watch another guy and go, fuck, he's killing. I can't do that. Don't be afraid to follow anybody. Use that to strengthen yourself up. Don't be afraid. Don't back down. I followed, in my, I followed Chris Rock. I followed Bill Burr, Louis C.K. I've had to follow these monsters. Leslie Jones, right? 
fucking these are people who just go up on stage and they just murder and they dropped in so the audience weren't even expecting them. So they got a huge surprise. Right? And then you also, so that's what I will say to you in advice for how you, how you behave and conduct yourself. Be on time, be courteous, be nice to everybody, man. I'm telling you, it will go such a long way. It will go such a long way. And don't surround yourself with negative people. If you hear people talking shit, step away from them. You don't want to get caught in that. You don't want to be part of that conversation. That negativity will bring you down. And stop watching your peers. You know what I mean? Like, especially Europe. I know it is in Ireland. I can't speak for Sweden. But, like, there's a lot of, like, disheartened. Like, you're disheartened when someone succeeds ahead of you or passes you by. Don't worry about that. Focus on yourself. Just write. Be nice and get up on stage as much as you can, man. Get up on stage as much as you can. That's what I can say to you for that end of it. And then you ask me about, you know, do, am I, uh, your stand-up, how do you do a show you wrote there? Do you tell a story, impro- improvise, or some, something else? How do we structure a joke? Here's the thing. You gotta, I, I'm a storyteller, right? I, I, I try, there's people, there's two comics that come to mind that not that I we have the same stuff. Well, Adam, me and Adam Ferrara, our storytellers, kind of very similar. But Adam Ferrara and Jim Gaffigan are the type of guys that find a topic and milk it, milk every prem. So if Jim Gaffigan does a bid on trucks, and I go, well, I'm going to do my bid on trucks too. Chances are he would have milked every possible punchline from that. So I'm a storyteller. So you, that's my structure. I, my, my structure is I go up on stage and I record every, ep, every set I do, I record it. And the next day I listen to it. I don't listen to it that night. Some people do listen to it that night. I listen to it the very next day. Why do I listen to the next day? Because if I killed, if I fucking kill tonight, if I drive home and listen to that set, I listen to it with arrogance. I listen to it with confidence. Like, oh, man, I'm fucking great. I won't look for the flaws in the jokes. And if I bomb and drive home, I listen to it through depression. Like, oh, fuck me, I suck. This is terrible. I want to listen to this shit now. Right? Listen to it tomorrow as a businessman, as a comedian. Listen to it on a clear, clear head. Like, it's not even, it's not even your set. And analyze it. Break it down. Did I use too many words? Did I go, um... So today I drove my blue car, you know, to the show. Do I need to let them know it was a blue car? Right? You got to find the unnecessary words in your story and get fucking rid of them. Or you could be a one-liner. Kevin Downey Jr., who I'm working with tonight, he's in the room next to me. He does one-liners. Very hard to do. Very, it's a different style, man. I, I envy those guys. I think they're more talented than I am. My opinion. Mitch Heberg, one-liner. Fucking insane. Gary Veter. Check these guys out. They're great at one-liners if that's who you are. But if you're old-fashioned... And I think because you're from Europe, I'm assuming... Oscar, that you, you're going to be a storyteller. That's usually what it is, right? You go to Europe, all, most of the comics are those guys who st- tell stories and, you know what I mean? And, and they're very funny, man. Like Mickey Bartlett is a guy from Belfast. Check out Mickey Bartlett. Um, phenomenal storyteller, great joke writer. But you got to find your own style. Don't worry about, like, find out who you gravitate to, what makes you more comfortable, what you like to write. Be yourself, man. Be, be original, right? And how do you be original? You by just being yourself. Right, I'm not saying you got to create this whole new style of comedy. Just be you. Once you go out there and be yourself, nobody can touch that. Nobody can take that from you. That's you. So I hope I gave you. Let me see. Uh, what's the big secret? Yeah, man, I fucking wish. <laughs> what do I wish? Do I talk to the crowd? I try to stay away from the crowd. That can backfire on you. 
you can ask a hypothetical, hey guys, did you ever see this movie, whatever? That could backfire on you. Someone could yell something, right? Now what happens is they yell. You can't throw them out. You can't, you can't go, hey, shut the fuck up. Why? Because you asked them a question, right? There's not, nothing you can do about it. You asked him a question. You can't, he can't go back to, if, if a security guard walks up and goes, sorry, you need to stop talking. Why? He asked me a fucking question. Right? So I don't talk to the crowd really, really, unless they're having a great time. It's, I'm doing a long set. Uh, the crowd just, the, if it's a private benefit where they all know each other, you might want to dip into the crowd a little bit because they all know each other. And a little joke against one person is funnier for the whole room. Blah, 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 blah. But I stay away from the crowd on a regular show, normally. Just focus on your act, focus on your... Because if you focus on crowd work, yeah, it's a nice little tool to have, but you're not, that's not going to build material because your crowd work you just did tonight is not going to work two nights down the line. So, Oscar, I hope I answered all your questions, man, and I really appreciate you reaching out, and I'm very proud of you for getting help with your depression, and I hope you continue to get help with that. Um, if I didn't cover anything, please uh, write back to me, Oscar. If I fucked up your name, right? If I fucked up your name, I want to know. Uh, so that's it, guys. I guess I'll just leave it at that. Um, I know I didn't go for, uh, you know, didn't I didn't really make this episode as funny as I could, but I just figured I wanted to reach out to Oscar since he wrote a, a very kind letter. So until then, guys, I will speak to you next week. Thank you so, so much for listening, and I'll talk to you soon. Remember, any emails, send them to me. Send them to me on Instagram, Mick Thomas Comedy, M-I-C-K, Thomas Comedy. Thanks so much, guys. Listen, if I don't speak to you, uh, which I probably won't, but I'll, uh, I'll talk to you next week. And uh, again, guys, thank you so much. Good luck to you. Enjoy your night. Enjoy your night. Good night. It's the Mick Thomas Show. How many times did I have to say fucking have a good night, you idiot? All right, lads. Welcome back to me podcast, Cheaper Than Therapy. Mick Thomas here again. Thanks so much for tuning in. I appreciate it. Cheers for the support and uh, and all the love and the emails and the questions and everything. So I really, really do appreciate you. That rhymes, right? It's the holiday season. So here we are, December, right? We're chugging along. I am actually recording this episode in the parking lot of a comedy club, Right? You thought Mick Thomas was all glamour and, and, and glitz. Nope. Here I am. Here I am in a comedy club. Maguire's of Bohemia Long Island. I am recording this. Crazy, right? Technology. Yeah, I'm looking at a dumpster right now. That's how show business I am. That's how show business I am. That's how top of the comedy food chain Mick Thomas is. Uh, how's all your holidays going so far, right? We're getting close. Getting close to the deadline. Oh, Santa Claus is coming. Or if you're Jewish, he's not. <laughs> I tell you what, man, this fucking shopping is still getting to me. You know where I went today? I went to um, ShopRite, which is a supermarket on Long Island. And the one by my house, the one by my house is uh, a, f- it's, it's a fucking nightmare. And here's why, right? Here's why. Oh, by the way, I'm by an airport, so you may hear planes fly over too, right? So if you hear any planes, I apologize. But anyway, here's why it's a nightmare, right? Here in, in, on Long Island now, Suffolk County uh, specifically, 
what they do is that you, you have to buy your plastic bags now, which is fine. I know some places have got rid of it. I know Connecticut got rid of them. Uh, and I know back home in Ireland they've got rid of plastic bags too, right? But I think you still have the option to buy them. So at the shop, right, it's, it's fucking five cents a bag, right? Now, I always do the self-checkout, right? If you know anything about McThomas, he doesn't like talking to people. So I, I just go straight to the self-checkout. But now here's what happened, right? Here's what fucking annoys me. Here's what fucking annoys me. Is I go in every Sunday morning, I go in for my, to buy all the food, which I prepare for the week, to meal prep, right? Meal prep means you prepare your food for the week, whatnot. So I go in. And they, they don't put plastic bags up, right? They don't put them up. So it's not like you, you, you scan your stuff, you put it in a bag, and then it asks you, well, how many bags did you, did you use? And you go two, three, one, none, right? They go kind of by the honor system. But this one fucking dump of a shop, right? I, I got to look at all my stuff, and I got to ask for a bag, right? I got I to gotta fucking go, excuse me, can I get a bag? Like, I got to beg for a plastic bag, Right? I'm sorry I'm coming out hot, guys, but this is really pissing me off, right? So I got to come out hot now, right? Because I'm just fucking... And then she goes, how many bags do you need? Like, now I got to look at my stuff again. And now I got to eyeball it. And I, now I got to figure out, like, all right, well, if I buy three, I could have one too much. And if I don't, if I don't buy enough, the arse is going to fall out of it. So now I, now I got what? I got to fucking make... I got to make the decision now. Put the bags where they belong, assholes. And let me just fucking scan my stuff, drop it in the bag. The bag gets full. Trust me, I, I won't rob your bags. Like who, what happened? What happened to you, ShopRite, that you feel you've learned your lesson now? Where they go, all right, from now on, no more bags. Like does somebody come in and take all the bags? Fuck's sake. Anyway, guys, I'm sorry to come out, out hot like that. Um... If you have any messages or emails you want to send to me, right, you can always send them to, to uh, Mick Thomas Comedy on my Instagram. Send me a message there, and uh, I will. that's where I'd get all my stuff from here, and, and, I, and I'll chat away to you. So I do want to go over one I got today. Uh, not today. I got it a few weeks ago, but I didn't get a chance to respond. Now, normally, I told you guys I, I'll respond on the podcast uh, if I get them, but normally, like, I'll write back to you if it's something short. Like, it's a quick question. You know what I mean? Like someone might ask a quick question. Hey, Mick, you know, how long have you lived in America? You've never said that before, right? And I'll go, I don't know, I, 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 I guess 15 years, right? So I'll just write back to that person. It's something I don't need to address on a podcast because I don't want to become that whole, going through a whole list of questions and answers. But I will, and sometimes people just write and they'll put a comment, something very nice. Show's fun, I like listening to it. Um, you know, sometimes people will write with broken English because they're from another country. Where, where English is their second language. And what am I going to do? Make fun of them? Go, ah, you can't even fucking write properly. Right? How many languages do I speak? What, am I going to give them a hard time? Because they don't fucking, they don't write it correctly. But I know what you're saying. So sometimes I don't, like you don't really hear me read out a lot of letters on here and stuff. Because I do answer a lot of them personally. Because I don't really want to pour them on to the podcast. But I did get one about two weeks ago. Maybe three weeks ago. And I asked this gentleman if I could um, read the email on the podcast because it kind of was a little it was a little nice but I got a little uh, I got a little kind of worried about this guy right and uh, his name let me read the email first right he he lives in Sweden 
okay, which I'm assuming he's from Sweden, I hope. But uh, so we had a little conversation first. I tried to answer as much as I could through uh, communicating through messages. So what I wanted to do was I asked him, I said, hey, man, do you want me to answer this? Because it's a bit wordy, right? And I don't, I don't really have time to sit down and type every single thing, right? I don't have time to answer everything, if, especially if it's a long one. Sorry, just drinking my water. So I said, like, hey, man, because it's a bit personal. Uh, do you want me to review this on the podcast or do you want me to type it here? And he gave me his, he gave me his permission to... Um, he gave me his permission to read it on the podcast, so... It's a bit, you know, it's something I don't want to take lightly. So, uh, and you will forgive me. I, I, you know, Mick Thomas here, he can't read out loud. He can, but he sounds like a stuttering fucking idiot. So please bear with me. And another thing, I'm going to do a lot of pausing because uh, he's very generous. He's very generous with his compliments. And, uh, and I, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm very uncomfortable around comments. Compliments, sorry. Right? A lot of comedians are, believe it or not. A lot of good comedians are very uncomfortable when someone gives them a compliment. They don't... But whatever, we, we'll, we'll go into that. So if you hear me pause, uh, I kind of feel like I should read everything because I don't want to sound disingenuous. I don't want to sound like I'm editing it. But I, I think I'm going to leave out the nice things he said about me because I don't want it to come across like, hey, look at me, aren't I great? I've getting fan mail. So I don't... So if you hear me stop, that means he's giving me a compliment about something that I just don't... As much as I appreciate it, uh, and I'm flattered and very uncomfortably accepting that type of praise. So if you hear me skip over it, um, and I'm, I apologize to this gentleman for not reading it out. Um, all right, so here he goes. Hello, Mick. Right, already from Sweden. Nailed it. Nailed the, nailed the first sentence. <laughs> Hello, Mick. How do you get into comedy? I am a young comedian, and I want to get into doing shows and... Upping my joke game. Again, guys, let me pause right there. If I... He's, his English is perfect. He's worded all this perfect. So it's, if it sounds like he's got really bad broken English, I can't fucking read. Right? So that's... Let me get that out there. Let me get this straight. Hello, Mick. How do you get into comedy? I'm a young comedian and I want to get into doing shows and upping my joke game. I am at an all-time low in life and it's only getting worse but there is nothing bad in my life. My life is perfect. I'm diagnosed with critical, with clinical depression. My grades are great, but I can't, uh, but I just can't do it. So I want to learn from, gives me a compliment there. I'm going to, thank you. Uh, how do you do a show? Do you tell a story, improvise or some else? How do I structure a joke? What's the big secret? Anything helps. Even thing unrelated like how you talk to a crowd or how to treat uh, a bar owner. I hope you're having a great weekend, mate. I like to put that back. Uh, P.S. I've listened to the entire podcast library and it's great. Uh, P.S. I, I live in Sweden. And then he wrote off his name. I don't want to give it his Instagram name. But he signed off with, uh, I'm going to go to the end of the conversation, Oscar. O Oscar. I hope it's not just Oscar. I'm, I'm, I think maybe it's pronounced uh, Oscar. Um, <clears throat> all right, man. First of all, let me just go. Thanks again for writing to me, uh, Oscar. I really appreciate that. that. That really does mean a lot. And you're, you're very compliment 
complimentary in this and I, I did leave a lot of it out. Um, so forgive me if you're kind of insulted that I left out your compliments, but I do, I really do appreciate them. Um, so the first thing I want to really, really address it before I get into comedy is the fact that you were diagnosed with clinical depression. Okay. Um, for those of you who know what clinical depression is, right? And I do have a lot of experience with this, uh, as I don't use a, a victim, but I deal with the heavy depression myself. Um, I don't talk about it. I don't, I don't take anything for it. Um, it, it is tough. So the fact that you are clinically and you're diagnosed, which means you did seek help. So congratulations on doing that. You are a braver man than I. And anything to do with depression, man, please make sure you continue to get help and don't take advice from someone like me to do with depression, okay? So that's the first thing I need to say up front. I am not any expert whatsoever. I have no training. I've read a bunch of books on it. So basically all I would be doing is regurgitating other people's advice. And I'm not, I can't give you any advice on depression. But what I will say is congratulations if you went and you got help for that. And I hope you have, you surrounded yourself with, with loving people. Um, people you can turn to, right? And, uh, you know, and people who can support you. And, and I, I like the fact that you've acknowledged that your life is perfect, meaning meaning that your, your uh, depression isn't, it's not um, situational, right? Like my dog died a few weeks. I didn't, you know, I don't, that's a, a reason to go aspire into depression. I'm sad my dog died or whatever. That's, that's considered, for those of you who don't understand depression, that's considered situational depression. Clinical means it's all, it's a chemical imbalance uh, within yourself, it's your body, right? So your levels are all off, Um so, but I, I do commend you on receiving help for that, buddy, and just keep, uh, don't let that go, right? Don't, don't lose that. So the fact that you're doing that is, speaks volumes of your maturity. Um, so good for you. Um, so let's just bypass that. Let's go into the comedy aspect of it. So uh, a reason why I want to do this email too, because read this response too, because number one, um, I do want to respond to everybody. I really do. If you, if there's anybody listener listening out there who has sent me a message, uh, if I haven't addressed it on the podcast, you know I've I've sent you back uh, either a thank you or a, oh I'm sorry you didn't like that or whatever it is because I, I I genuinely do want to uh, try give everybody the feedback. So this is also for anybody else out there who is wondering about comedy. Maybe you want to get into it yourself. Maybe something you've always wanted to try, um, or maybe you're just generally curious how how, how did I get into it. So let's talk about it. So you said, I'm a young comedian. I want to get into doing shows and upping my joke game. So you're a young comedian, right? So right now you're a young comedian. What I mean by young comedian, my definition of that, guys, it's not, um, it wouldn't be your age. I'm 17. I'm a young comedian. To me is you could be 50 years old and be a young comedian. To me, a young comedian is, and a lot of comics feel the same way, is how long you're doing comedy, right? Um... So what I would suggest is where you are right now, man, is, is here's what I would say, first of all, is just have a blast. Enjoy yourself right now. You are at the most enjoyable part. Because com- you, you go, you're going right now from enjoyment, right? So you want to turn, you're having fun, right? And it's exciting. And you want to eventually get to a level where it's rewarding. It could also, it might be rewarding for you now. That's great if it is. 
but you might want to get to the stage where it's rewarding. And that's where it is for me now. But I remember when I started comedy, right? There's different ways to start comedy. So um, Oscar hasn't really given me much of a description of where he does it or how he does it. But when I started comedy, I always wanted to do comedy, but there was no real place to do it in Ireland uh, where I lived in Wexford. You know, there's no clubs, there's no open mics, no coffee shops were doing it, no bars were doing it, no no nightclubs were doing comedy. So I had literally no place to do comedy, but I studied it, right? I studied Billy Connolly for years and years and years and years since I was a child. It was Billy Connolly. Uh, then from there, I was given a tape of Eddie Murphy's Delirious, and that fucking blew my mind. Right, Eddie Murphy was the first real American comedian, and then I went from there to Robin Williams, and you know, and then I became I became hooked on stand up, and 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 I watched it, and and you know, I just became a student of of stand up, right? And I think that's what that's what we do, we uh, that's what comedians do. They look at it like there's so many fans of comedy that come out to to shows, and they laugh their ass off, but then there's so many guys out there that do it a little bit different. And they want to look at the mechanism, the mechanics of what's working. Okay. So, um, but where you are right now, you, so I started comedy when I came to America, right? When I moved to New York, of course, it's the mecca of stand-up comedy. I don't care what anyone says. LA has got some amazing comedians out there. Just fucking murderers. Murderers out in LA, right? Tim Dillon moved out there. He's a New York-based guy. Uh, you know, Joe Rogan's out there. Dave Chappelle's out there. Um, I could say it all day. I really could, and just name fucking like murderers living out there. Um, but you want it like stand up. The mecca is New York, right? New York. So that's where I started comedy. Now I, I I didn't know anybody. I didn't have any friends to hang out with. I didn't know anything about open mic scene. I knew nothing about that. So how I started stand up was I took a comedy class, right? Now, if there's a comedy class in your area and you see that, I think it's worth it's worth taking a look at. Right, I know uh, Anthony Jeselnik. If you if you don't know who he is, look him up. Very offensive comic, but fuck me, is he a brilliant joke writer? Just an amazing joke writer. He took a class too. When you take a class, right, you come away with eight minutes. So you have eight minutes that are already polished. Right, so now you're out the gate and you've got eight minutes that you know should work. So you can kind of get booked on places, and then you want to turn the eight minutes to ten, ten minutes to fifteen. 15 to 20. When you're 20, you can MC. You might MC then for a, for a few years. Then after MC, and then you might, then you want to move up to feature, feature the headliner, and it takes a whole, it's a whole process. So right now where you are, if you're a young comedian, it's the fucking best time. Because there's a camaraderie with all your friends. Like my friends started doing open mics, right? And they bombed and they bombed, which I always think that, like if I didn't take the safety net, of a comedy class, and I went up to an open mic and bombed. I may have, I may, I probably would have quit. I probably wouldn't have done it. Like, all right, I got it out of my system. I'm not good at it. So the class kind of helped me an awful lot. The comedy class helped me an awful lot. Um, so, like I said, it prepared me for uh, a real set. So I was quite, uh, quite happy with that. With taking the class, it was it was a good idea. And a lot of times you'll find the comedy classes usually, not every case, it's usually taken by uh, a really a really established comedian who knows the biz, the industry, the business. And it's very hard to find a good one, right? If you live on Long Island, you're listening to this. John Trusen teaches an amazing one at Governors. So if you ever call up, right, ask for the class with John Trusen. Because the guy has been around comedy for years and years. Uh, he's he's just know, He knows the mechanics of comedy better than 
uh, almost anybody I know. Um, so that's a plug for, for governors of Long Island if you want to take... Remember, John Trucson's class. Um, but yeah, so I took a class and then what happened is I had this eight minutes and, and I, I, I stayed out with... There was like 15 of us in the class and then that months go by and you're working on it. You're doing these fucking hell gigs. Bar shows, right? Which are the worst where you, you turn up to do a show. All these drunks are sitting there watching a hockey game and then all of a sudden the barman just leans up, turns off the TV and they're like, what the fuck? Yeah, we're going to have some comedy now. And you got all these young comics going up there with fucking, hey, yeah, did you ever fart and fucking shit come out instead? Or whatever, whatever the jokes are. So, you know, but that's the most fun part of it, okay? Now, the reason why I say it's you, you want to turn that fun into rewardment, is rewardment a word? You can send me a comment and go make you a dumb piece of shit. I don't know if rewardment is a word. Rewarding, it's rewarding, right? Because what happens is uh, now where you where I'm at is like you go out, you try something, it's fuck, it bombs, right? And you go like, I like that it bombs. This is me personally. Good, that joke bombed. Good, it got nothing. It went flat as a fucking flat as the ocean, right? As the horizon, I should have said flat. So now what I can do is I got I'll go back, I listen to that set, and I'll go, why was that? Why what went wrong with that joke? Because it is funny. I don't care what anyone says. In my head, it's funny. I have to convince them why it's funny, right? That's my job. So then I go back and I, I'll try it again. To like tonight, I'm waiting to go on, and two of the jokes went flat last night. I reworded them and I'll go try it again. And I love that process. That's where it becomes rewarding because you're a professional now, right? You're a professional. You know how to. You know how to get into the trenches. You know how to. Uh, you know how to. Um, you know reword jokes and get. And sometimes you just gotta let them go. That they're not. They're not ready to fly right that's one of my jokes died last night on stage I was like, you know what I wasn't ready did you ever see a mama bird just uh, kick her babies out of the nest and they all fall right you kick five of them out maybe three survive the other two what happens they land in a big pile of leaves they're fine they're going to be okay the mother comes down gives them some more worms strengthens up the wings a bit they're not ready right now but in a week's time maybe they'll be ready to fly right that's what it's like you got don't be afraid to try and just write your arse off. Write, 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 write. Never stop writing. Write because right now where you are, Oscar, right where you are right now is your head is full of shit jokes. They might be funny, don't get me wrong, but they're shit jokes to where you're gonna be in five years. You're gonna look back on the five years. What the fuck was I thinking about? What was I fucking on? Right? So the more you write, the more you write that shit out of your head. It's like cleaning out of the basement. Right? If you have a basement that's full of shit, old coats, stacks of newspapers, records you'll never listen again. What do you want to put down there? You want to put a couch, a bar, a TV. But you got to get rid of all that shit out of that fucking basement before you put that quality stuff in there. And that's going to be the same for your brain. Write that shit out. Write that fucking dumb, hacky joke that's so dumb that the audience sees it coming a mile away. Or they might even go, ugh, it's funny, but ugh. Write that shit out, stock it up. All that's going to be left then is quality. That's kind of one advice. Just get up there, keep having fun, and try be friends with absolutely everybody, especially the bookers. So when you say a bar show, um, I would be friends with everybody. That's be professional, turn up on time. It's huge. Even if the booker is an asshole, turn up on time at least a half an hour before every show. That way the person who booked you can relax 
He's not building up this anxiety in his head. He's not going like, oh, where the fuck is McThomas? Where's McThomas? Who's on the show tonight? McThomas. Why isn't he here yet? The show starts in five minutes. And I come walking in a minute before the show starts. Already he doesn't like me. Now I got to win him back over. Get there a half an hour before every show. Unless you, you know the club really, really well. And they go, all right, that's, that, that's Mick. He's going to turn up two minutes before every show. He's good for it. But until then, turn up. Go there half an hour. Be nice to everybody. Be nice to the wait staff. I don't know if there's wait staff at the clubs you're working in. Be nice to them. They're, they're, they matter the most, believe it or not. The wait staff eventually end up fucking running the club. The wait staff, the amount of people who are wait staff in this business, in America at least, that you talk to them, like, holy shit. Sam Kinison was a doorman. Judd Apatow was a waiter at Governor's Comedy Club. And I could sit here all day and do, like, Richie Manavini, like, all these guys were doormen, waiters, Right? I mean, there's some Long Island. They're all from Long Island, those guys. Well, not, not uh, Sam Kinison. He's from the South. But uh, be nice to everybody, right? Be everybody's friend. Don't talk shit about people behind their back. Fuck it. Let them. And don't worry about anybody else's act. Do not worry about anybody else's act. It's your act, mate. You write it yourself. Don't sit up there and watch another guy and go, fuck, he's killing. I can't do that. Don't be afraid to follow anybody. Use that to strengthen yourself up. Don't be afraid. Don't back down. I followed, in my, I followed Chris Rock. I followed Bill Burr, Louis C.K. I've had to follow these monsters. Leslie Jones, right? Fucking these are people who just go up on stage and they just murder and they dropped in so the audience weren't even expecting them. So they got this huge surprise. Right? And then you also, so that's what I will say to you in advice for how you, how you behave and conduct yourself. Be on time, be courteous. Be nice to everybody, man. I'm telling you, it will go such a long way. It will go such a long way. And don't surround yourself with negative people. If you hear people talking shit, step away from them. You don't want to get caught in that. You don't want to be part of that conversation. That negativity will bring you down. And stop watching your peers. You know what I mean? Like, especially Europe. I know it is in Ireland. I can't speak for Sweden. But, like, there's a lot of, like, disheartened. Like, you're disheartened when someone succeeds ahead of you or passes you by. Don't worry about that. Focus on yourself. Just write, be nice, and get up on stage as much as you can, man. Get up on stage as much as you can. That's what I can say to you for that end of it. And then you ask me about, you know, do, am I, I, your stand-up, how do you do a show you wrote there? Do you tell a story, impro, improvise, or some, something else? How do we structure a joke? Here's the thing. You gotta, I, I'm a storyteller. Right, I, I, I tried. There's people. There's two guy, comics that come to mind. That not that I we have the same stuff. Well, Adam, me and Adam Ferrara are storytellers, kind of very similar. But Adam Ferrara and Jim Gaffigan are the type of guys that find a topic and milk it, milk every premise. So like, if Jim Gaffigan does a bid on trucks, and I go, well, I'm going to do my bid on trucks too. Chances are he would have milked every possible punchline from that. So I'm a storyteller, so you, you, that's my structure. I, my, my structure is I go up on stage and I record every, ep, every set I do, I record it. And the next day I listen to it. I don't listen to it that night. Some people do listen to it that night. I listen to it the very next day. Why do I listen to the next day? Because if I killed, if I fucking kill tonight, if I drive home and listen to that set... I listen to it with arrogance. I listen to it with confidence. Like, oh, man, I'm fucking great. I won't look for the flaws in the jokes. And if I bomb and drive home, I listen to it through depression. Like, oh, fuck me, I suck. This is terrible. I want to listen to this shit now. 
right? Listen to it tomorrow as a businessman, as a comedian. Listen to it on a clear, clear head. Like it's not even, it's not even your set. And analyze it, break it down. Did I use too many words? Did I go, um, so today I drove my blue car, you know, to the show. Do I need to let them know it was a blue car? Right? You got to find the unnecessary words in your story and get fucking rid of them. Or you could be a one-liner. Kevin Downey Jr., who I'm working with tonight, he's in the room next to me. He does one-liners. Very hard to do. Very, it's a different style, man. I, I envy those guys. I think they're more talented than I am. My opinion. Mitch Heberg, one-liner. Fucking insane. Gary Veter. Check these guys out. They're great at one-liners if that's who you are. But if you're old-fashioned... And I think because you're from Europe, I'm assuming... Oscar, that you, you're going to be a storyteller. That's usually what it is, right? You go to Europe, all, most of the comics are those guys who st- tell stories and you know what I mean? And, and they're very funny, man. Like Mickey Bartlett is a guy from Belfast. Check out Mickey Bartlett. Um, phenomenal storyteller, great joke writer. But you got to find your own style. Don't worry about, like, find out who you gravitate to, what makes you more comfortable, what you like to write. Be yourself, man. Be, be original, right? And how do you be original? You by just being yourself. Right? I'm not saying you got to create this whole new style of comedy. Just be you. Once you go out there and be yourself, nobody can touch that. Nobody can take that from you. That's you. So I hope I gave you... Let me see. Uh, what's the big secret? Yeah, man, I fucking wish. <laughs> what do I wish? Do I talk to the crowd? I try to stay away from the crowd. That can backfire on you. You can ask a hypothetical. Hey, guys, did you ever see this movie? Whatever. That could backfire on you. Someone could yell something, right? Now what happens is they yell. You can't throw them out. You can't, you can't go, hey, shut the fuck up. Why? Because you asked them a question, right? There's not, nothing you can do about it. You asked him a question. You can't, he can't go back to, if, if a security guard walks up and goes, sorry, you need to stop talking. Why? He asked me a fucking question, right? So I don't talk to the crowd really. Really, unless they're having a great time, it's I'm doing a long set. Uh, the crowd just, the, if it's a private benefit where they all know each other, you might want to dip into the crowd a little bit because they all know each other. And a little joke against one person is funnier for the whole room. Blah 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 blah. But I stay away from the crowd on a regular show. Normally, just focus on your act, focus on your because if you focus on crowd work, yeah, it's a nice little tool to have, but you're not. That's not going to build material. Because your crowd work you just did tonight is not going to work two nights down the line. So, Oscar, I hope I answered all your questions, man. And I really appreciate you reaching out. And I'm very proud of you for getting help with your depression. And I hope you continue to get help with that. Um, if I didn't cover anything, please uh, write back to me, Oscar. If I fucked up your name, right? If I fucked up your name, I want to know. Uh, so, that's it, guys. I guess I'll just leave it at that. Um, I know I didn't go for, uh, you know, didn't I didn't really make this episode as funny as I could, but I just figured I wanted to reach out to Oscar since he wrote a, a very kind letter. So until then, guys, I will speak to you next week. Thank you so, so much for listening, and I'll talk to you soon. Remember, any emails, send them to me. Send them to me on Instagram, Mick Thomas Comedy, M-I-C-K, Thomas Comedy. Thanks so much, guys. Listen, if I don't speak to you, uh, which I probably won't, but I'll, uh, I'll talk to you next week. And uh, again, guys, thank you so much. Good luck to you. Enjoy your night. Enjoy your night. Good night. It's the Mick Thomas Show. How many times do I have to say fucking have a good night, you idiot?